You got some glasses too? Right on. All right, it's good to see everyone out tonight. Let's all stand together over the whole building. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus. We'll sing out one time through and we'll move right along with our services tonight. time to come back to your house tonight. Thank you for a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Father, thank you for these wonderful teachers, Lord, putting, uh, just having a willingness to be able to open up the Word, God, and teach these young kids about Jesus tonight. And Father, may your Word not go out void tonight, God, and if it be your will, may we see a precious young child come to know Christ as Savior. Father, we just pray for our pastor and his wife as they travel away from us this week. God, may you bring them back safely to us. God, give them safe travels. God, we sure do love you tonight it's because of Jesus. It's in his name we do pray. Amen. All right, Ava. Come on here, two boys. There you go. Jake and Jace. Christian flag for Ava. One of you bring your Bibles, okay? American flag. Bible. Let's say our pledges tonight. American flags first. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, hold the flag up, Ava. There you go. That's a pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. All right, let's pledge to the Bible. Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word, I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. All right. Thank you for doing that. We'll go ahead and let y'all get on out of here tonight. Cubbies, go first. Have a good time tonight. be a blue song book tonight page number 183 oh how i love jesus we'll do that um, we'll do all four verses tonight hymn number 183 all four verses there is a name i love to hear i love to sing its word it sounds like music in my ear the 
sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect clean. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. It tells me what my Father hath in store for every day. And though I tread a darksome path, you'll sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me, it tells of one whose loving heart can fill my deepest woe. Who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Amen. Appreciate your faithfulness out to the house of the Lord tonight on this Wednesday night. Brother Scott Cassidy, will you pray for us, brother? Yes, amen. Yes, Lord, help tonight. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father. Amen. Let's remain standing for our fellowship song, page number 66 at Calvary. We'll do that first verse and chorus and fellowship a while. Page number 66. I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Oh, 
nigh to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Shake hands. Fellas, come down and we'll receive our offering this evening.
While they're getting that together, remember, uh, ladies, this coming Sunday from 2 to 5, we'll be doing Renee's birthday party. It's a painting party downstairs. It'll be a good time. I've never done something like this before, but um, I believe it's going to be a good time. If you would, please let my wife know that you're coming so we'll be for sure we got all the supplies you needed. All you need to do is uh, bring yourself and uh, give her a gift card from Miss Renee so we can celebrate her birthday. Brother Josh, you pray for us tonight. Yes. Amen. time tonight a couple things I need to mention before we get get going with other requests let's do remember brother Johnny Martin if you would um, he's, he's had a couple rough days and uh, just remember him I know him. he's really down but just pray for him and his family as he's still battling the cancer there and, and uh, this Lord needs needs to have his will and way there and then also brother Carl come up to me right before service started said April was on her way to church and coming up Hardy Stone Road said they come upon a car that had flipped over it was a woman and two kids. They seemed to be okay. They, uh, the, the rescue squad wanted to take them to the hospital, but they didn't have any insurance, and they was trying to talk them out of, out of going. So I um, had, uh, had told April that the husband had just passed away about a month earlier, and that was the only vehicle that they had. So uh, just pray for that family. And I would also like for you to pray for my uncle Ray Goins, if you would just mention him in prayer. He's battling a lot of health issues. He's up in UVA. He's uh, been battling some brain tumors in the past few years, and they're going. He's got some a lot of medical complications right now that they're just trying to figure out in him. So just pray for my uncle Ray Goins, if you would. All right, starting on my right hand side tonight, Miss Irma. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that request tonight. Another hand on the right tonight, Charlie. All right. Let's remember those two things. Another request, Brother Scott. Remember that. Another request on the right hand side tonight. Mary Margaret. (laughs) 
can you give us about an hour or so? <laughs> Amen. Appreciate that request tonight. Brother David? Amen, brother. Amen. I appreciate that tonight, brother David. Anybody else on the right tonight? Thought I was at an auction. I was giving me hand signals. <laughs> Somebody in the middle tonight? Brother Gerald? Amen. Someone else in the middle? Keith? <coughs> yep, let's continue to pray for Chelsea. She's waiting for a kidney transplant. Amen. She needs a kidney donor. So just pray for her. With her. She's battling, been fighting lupus for a long time, but now it's gotten to the point where she needs a kidney. So just pray for her. Someone else in the middle? What's that? Let's do pray for our country. Brother Chester. All right. Let's remember those requests tonight. Someone else in the middle. All right, over on my left. Miss Leanne. I heard him in there talking. I didn't. I figured he'd be in here. Okay. Okay. Somebody else on the left, Lisa. Okay. Rufus. All right. Someone else on the left-hand side? Brother Turner? No, oh, that's two Turners. You go first, brother. <laughs> okay. Appreciate you letting me know that, brother. Other Turner? Okay. I see another hand. 
Go ahead, sister. Amen. You remember that need. Someone else? Did I miss a hand? Go ahead. Amen. Appreciate that request tonight. Brother Gerald, do you mind praying over these requests for us tonight, brother? Amen. You can be turning to Matthew chapter number 9 tonight. Matthew chapter number 9. You got one more? Okay, Larry Stowe. Do you remember that? He had a, and also remember the Wasaskis. They had sent me a message earlier. Miss um, Betty, she has shingles. Just found that out. And then uh, Brother John had to get a pneumonia shot, so just pray for them. A lot of things to be praying about, amen? Amen, we're needy people. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 9, beginning in verse number 1. It says, and, then, and he entered into a ship, and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, laying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick, <clears throat> saying unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, a certain of the scribes said with themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore thank ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk? 
but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth <clears throat> to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go to, unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Have you ever thought that you had disappointed God beyond repair? Has that thought ever ran across your mind? I think it probably has for most of us in here tonight. If it hasn't, praise the Lord for you. Amen. But uh, I know there's, there's times in our life when, you know, not only have we disappointed God, but maybe you've disappointed somebody else in your life. Or, you know, I know growing up playing sports a lot, um, oftentimes, you know, you would, you would make a bad mistake playing a game or you might mess up in practice and in the back of your mind, some man, I disappointed the coach. But, you know, have you ever thought that we could disappoint God beyond repair? I want you to know for sure that there's no way that that can happen. God is in the restoration business. But if you, if you fear that you have blown it, I want you to pay attention to what we're going to talk about tonight. And it's just a simple fact of the fear of disappointing God. The fear of disappointing God. You know, we, you can say, yes, you have failed, and we all have, but you aren't a failure because God came to this earth for people like us, for a bunch of failures, for a bunch of rejects, for a bunch of people who had no chance in any other way in to get into heaven except for his son, Jesus Christ, come to this earth and save us. You know, as we look at this tonight, I, I want us to get, get, just get the chance to get rid of our embarrassments, get rid of our failures, get rid of our regrets, our regrets to God, so we can start again with a clean slate. You know, you have to learn to do that in your own Christian life and trust Him to love you despite your past. Don't let the devil beat you up over your past. The past is a past. It's buried up under the blood. The blood covers it all. It's, as, it's been removed as far as the east is from west. It's been buried in the deepest, darkest depths of the sea, never to be found again, and it's hidden behind the back of God in which Satan cannot go to. Amen? <laughs> so don't let him beat you up over the, your past. I want to read a story to you before we get, before we delve in, into this uh, lesson. It's about sports, of course, but it's a man by the name of Noble Doss. You know, that, that name doesn't even strike, strike really a, a memory in my own mind, but Noble Doss dropped the ball, one ball, one pass, one mistake. In 1941, he let one fall, and it's haunted him ever since. He said, I cost us a national championship. The University of Texas football team was ranked number one in the nation, hoping for an undefeated season and a berth into the Rose Bowl. They played conference rival Baylor University, and they had a 7-0 lead in the third quarter. The Longhorn quarterback launched a deep pass to a wide-open Doss. This is his words. He said, the only thing I had between me and the goal was 20 yards of grass. He said the throw was on target. Longhand for, the Longhorn fans, they rose to their feet, the sure-handed Doss spotted the ball and reached out, but it slipped through his hands. He said that Baylor rallied and tied the score with seconds to play, and Texas lost their top ranking and consequently their chance at the Rose Bowl. He said, I think about that play almost every day. Not that he lacks other memories. He's happily married for more than six decades. A father, grandfather. He served in the Navy during World War II. He appeared on the cover of Life magazine with his Texas teammates. He intercepted 17 passes during his collegiate career, a university record at Texas. He also won a couple of divisional titles with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Texas High School Football Hall of Fame and the Longhorn Hall of Honor included his name. 
Most fans remember the plays Doss made and the passes that he caught, but Doss always remembers the one that he missed. Once upon a meeting, a new Longhorn head coach, Doss told him about the bobbled ball that had been 50 years since the game. And as he was talking to him, he said he began to weep, thinking about that pass he dropped. You know, memories of passes, they often fade slowly, but they stir a lonely fear, a fear that we have disappointed people or let somebody down. And that's what I want us to pay attention to tonight. As we talked about it, Doss had quite a career. You know, not many people can say they intercepted 17 footballs in a college career, served in the Navy, World War II. You know, but the one thing that constantly haunted him is that memory of letting his teammates down. Fifty years later, while telling that story, even tears still come to his eyes. As I said, memories of drop passes fade slowly. They stir a lonely fear, a fear that we have disappointed people, that we have let the team down, that we've come up short, a fear that when needed, I didn't do my part and others suffered because of my failure. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 10. Actually, Isaiah 41 and verse number 10, I'll read it to you. Appreciate you listening to me tonight. It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. When we fear that we have disappointed God beyond repair, it's like we are saying that God's well of grace has a bottom to it. That's the kind of statement that we're making. If we say that we, if we, say that we have, you know, that we have uh, disappointed God beyond repair, We know that God's will of grace is not empty. He has an unmerited favor of grace. I mean, it's unlimited. A person can request forgiveness only a certain amount of times. You know, in this society, common sense will tell us, you know, cash in too many checks, and one of them is soon to bounce. You know, when you think about it, the devil loves this kind of logic in the child of God. If he can convince us that God's grace has limited funds, we'll draw the logical answer that the account must be empty. He'll get us convinced that God has locked the door to his throne room. He says, pound all you want to. Nobody's listening. The devil likes to play those mind games with us. That's one battle I don't enjoy in this life is the battle that goes on up in here. Man, this mind can play some evil tricks on you. It can, it can get you to thinking things that's, that's an outright lie. The devil will convince you that God hates you, that everybody in the church don't like you. I mean, he can convince you of all kinds of things. I talk about it often, but our, our society has set us up and our social media has made it even worse. Our anxiety problems are out the roof. I mean, we get upset if somebody doesn't respond to a text message in 3.5 seconds with a smiley face on the end. We think everybody's mad at us. Sometimes I don't respond just to see if they get angry. (laughs) And then at times I find myself when I ask somebody a question, they don't respond. I think, did I word it wrong? What did I say? Why ain't they responding? And then you feel like a dummy when they text you back later and say, my phone was dead. All right. (laughs) Calm down. But it just, it builds up and it's crazy. You know, in the book of 1 John, chapter number 1, I want to read a verse to you that's, that's very helpful for us. 
book of 1 John was written to the believer. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is written to the child of God. It's not written to the lost man. If you begin to study out John, you know John was written to the believers. You know, God, as we're a child of God, we're going to have mess ups and mistakes. Used to, got a good friend who used to tell me all the time, so that's why they put erasers on pencils, because people make mistakes. We make mistakes, but I'm thankful that God has the big erase pad and he knows how to wipe them sins away, amen? But we got to be quick to ask forgiveness for the mistakes that we make. You say, well, I don't make any mistakes. Come on now, you just made one. If you think about it, no access to God unleashes a behavior of con- a beehive of concerns. We think that we are like orphans, unprotected and exposed. Heaven has been removed from our itinerary, vulnerable in this life and removed from the next. The fear of disappointing God, it's like it has teeth and it begins to chomp down on us and it hurts. In our text tonight in Matthew chapter number 9, when Christ fights his first battle with someone's fear, he begins, uh, he begins defanging fear with these words. In verse number 2 he says, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Let's go back to Matthew. There's also some other parts of the books of the gospel that also carries this story and gives us a different point of view. If you go to Mark in chapter number 2. But what great words to combat with somebody's fear. It says, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse number 3. It says, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Then also you can see it once again in Luke in chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. I won't take the time to read the whole story. Luke chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 18. He says here, And behold, men brought in a bed of a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. When they could not find by what way they might bring him, because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Thy sins are forgiven thee. What a blessing. What a way to defeat fear. He spoke these words to a man who had been disabled. This man, he could not, as, as we take for granted oftentimes, our, the ability to walk or run. This man could not just go up and go out in the, in the community and go out for a walk or a jog or take his dog out for a walk. When Jesus spoke to this man, he didn't talk about healing his physical problems. He went straight to the core of the problems. It was his heart. He said, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Maybe, he was, maybe this man of the palsy was anticipating that Jesus was going to do something miraculous and he was going to make him automatically just jump up out the bed. He was going to eliminate his paralysis. Maybe instead of saying, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, maybe he was expecting to say, Son, why don't you go out there and sign up for a marathon and go off and take a run. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But the man had limbs as sturdy as a spaghetti noodle. I mean, they was, he just couldn't get around. He couldn't get up and walk. Thank God he had some friends who cared enough about him that they took him to Jesus. And yet Jesus offers mercy. He wasn't offering muscles. He was offering mercy. 
Jesus was thinking about the, our, our deepest problems, that, that sin, our deepest fear, our failing of God, our failing God. Before Jesus healed the body, and he did, Jesus healed a soul first. After he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, then the old glorious Pharisees stood up and began to debate with him. And as they were debating with him, then Jesus turned, turned the script a little bit and he said, All right, take up thy bed and walk. Get on out of here. Can't you imagine the crowd as they see this happen? I mean, he's from this community. They know exactly how long he's been this way. They know the family. They know the background. They know that he was born of four. They know that he's had the palsy for a very long time. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, all right, take up thy bed and walk. I mean, he tucks that thing up under his arm, and he said, I'll see y'all later. And he takes off. Boy, Jesus knew how to get to those scribes and Pharisees, man. He, he knew how to get to them very well. To sin is to disregard God, ignore His teachings, deny His blessings. Sin is godless living, self-centered lifestyle. The sinner's life is a me-focused life, not a God-focused life. If you look at that word sin, right in the middle of sin is the word I. It's me-centered, it's I. It's all about me, it's all about ourself. It's all about what I want to do, what, what's good enough for me, what, I'm, what am I going to do, you know, that type of thing. It's a very I-centered, me-centered type of attitude to sin is to disregard God the sinner's life is me focused wasn't this the choice of Adam and Eve when we go back to the garden in Genesis in chapter number 3 let's turn back there just for a moment prior to their sin they lived in a fearless world Adam and Eve were one with creation the garden was perfect they were one with God and one with with each other they didn't know the difference between good and evil because they never even had to raise the question what was good and evil everything was perfect a perfect society a perfect world Eden was a wonderful place there was only one command they had to follow one command don't touch the tree of knowledge. Don't touch that tree of knowledge. That one tree. You can have thousands of other things, but that one thing right there, you cannot touch that. Don't partake of it. Ain't that how we are in life? If somebody tells us that we can't have something, all of a sudden curiosity takes up. And, and bread in some of us is uh, just a, I'm going to go do it anyway. I want to find out what it is. But in Genesis chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 1, <clears throat> the Bible reminds us here, he says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. They had one command. They had one job to do, and that was not eat of that tree. They told Satan the story. Adam and Eve were given a choice, and each day they chose to trust God. But then the serpent came on the scene, sowing seeds of doubt and offering a sweeter deal. He says here, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, 
knowing good and evil. That's why God's trying to keep that delicious tree away from you. You ought to go over there and taste the fruit off of that tree. Man, you think these other trees are good. Wait till you taste this one. It is better than all the rest. Now, I don't know it. The Bible doesn't tell it, but I wondered if Satan just didn't go over there and snatch him off whatever it was and take him a big old bite. See, it didn't hurt me. Why don't you try? Who knows what he done? That's just my mind. But just like that, Eve became afraid and fearful that God was holding out, holding back from something, holding back from her something that, that Satan convinced her that she was in need of, that Eden wasn't enough, that she was missing out on something better, afraid that God wasn't enough, afraid that God couldn't deliver. See, what fear does to us, it discombobulates our thinking. It messes us up. We can't think straight. I know we've all seen it. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden a squirrel jumps out there in front of you. What does that squirrel do? He doesn't sit there with the flag and just come on through. No, he jumps right there on that center line, and he start, He just can't make up his mind which way he's going to go. It's crazy. I've seen, I mean, I've seen it a thousand times driving down the road. It's almost like I go into hyperdrive, and we get to act in the same way lots of times. Fear, when it sets in, we don't know which direction to go. We get like a squirrel in the middle of the road. We're on this side. We're on that side. We're on this side. And by the time the tires go by, we go right up under the truck. <laughs> and then I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Did they make it? Did they make it? I didn't hear a bump. Rabbits are bad for doing it too. But we get like a squirrel in the middle of the road. What happened to Eve? She quit trusting God and put matters into her own hands. And the rest is history. Notice verses 8 through 10. Well, we'll just continue reading the story. Verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and, the, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Notice verse number 11. And he, had, and he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hey, in a perfect garden, they didn't even know the difference. They didn't even know they was naked. But once they partook of that tree that they was not supposed to, they began to open up their eyes and they became as gods knowing the difference between good and evil. He said, we went and hid and we sowed us some fig leaves trying to cover up our nakedness. Who told you you was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Boy, look at the man. He sure was brave here, didn't he? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Way to go, guys. We blamed it on the women. <laughs> And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. He convinced her to eat of it, and she did. Just like that, Eve became fearful and afraid. When we mismanage fear, it leads to sin, and sin leads to hiding. We get sin in our life, we like to go into hiding. We like to keep it covered up. We don't want nobody to know that we've messed up. We don't hide in bushes, but in, that oftentimes in our life these days, we hide in 80-hour work weeks. We try to stay so busy that we, no, we can't be around nobody. 
When we sin and we try to hide, we try to hide up under our temper tantrums. Or we try to hide in religious busyness. We avoid contact with God. If our sin nauseates us, how much more does it revolt a holy God? We know that God cannot fellowship with sin. We begin thinking that God has ticked off at us. And what do we do when we become afraid? Do we duck and cover or do we run? Notice what it says in Isaiah 53. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, I'll read it to you. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Though we may and have and will at times disappoint God, God will not abandon us. I want to give us some, some reassurance on that tonight. Turn to Colossians in chapter number 1. Appreciate you turning with me tonight as we're doing a little Bible study. Colossians in chapter number 1. Some wonderful promises in the Bible to encourage us as believers in Christ. Colossians chapter number 1 verses 13 through 14. It says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Turn on over to 1 John again. 1 John chapter number 5, verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Jesus loves us too much to leave us in doubt about His grace. Look at 1 John chapter number 4, verse number 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Why? Because fear hath torment. Fear torments us. I can remember as a young kid growing up, my mom, she liked to watch scary movies and I couldn't stand them. Could not stand them. There was, there was not one scary movie that I could watch. I couldn't stand the buildup. I couldn't, the music killed me. I mean, I just couldn't stand all that stuff. Some people enjoy them. I would rather not watch one. I can't even hardly stand to watch uh, CSI or Criminal Minds or something like that. That just stuff just gets to me. I can't handle it. I'll turn the channel. But then I find myself turning the channel back to see what happened. Hoping that the scene was over with. Y'all probably think I'm silly, but I remember it was old, I think it was an old Stephen King movie or a Stephen King film or whatever it may have been about that old dog Cujo. Cujo scared the daylights out of me as a young child. I was screaming for them, kids and them people just to run from that old Pinto. I mean, Cujo tore the Pinto up, man. He was pounding on that thing, slobbering all over it. They couldn't open the door. Cujo wasn't there. Just about the time you thought you could make a run for it, here he come. Then we got to, my generation got to grow up watching Jaws. You knew when Jaws was coming. They would let you know. That music would start real soft. And as he got closer and closer, it got louder and louder. And then he'd take a bite out of the boat. And every time he killed Jaws, he come back again. I ain't never figured that one out. They blowed him up one time and he came back next episode. You can't beat Jaws. <laughs> but I mean, I just couldn't handle that. But fear, it torments us. And I wouldn't be able to sleep at night as a young child. I'd find myself wanting to go in Mama's room and sleep with her so she could give me some comfort. Scared to death. 
Hey, when fear strikes us, why don't we just run to our Heavenly Father? Hey, when the lights go out the house, first thing Peyton holler for, Daddy, you got a flashlight? Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Why is it when we become fearful, we don't want to run to God first, we want to run to everything else first? We mismanage fear and it leads to sin, and sin leads into hiding. If God loves us with an imperfect love, we would have cause to worry. Verse number 18 said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, and we love him because he first loved us. Imperfect love keeps records. I'm thankful that God doesn't keep any records tonight. We'd be in a world of hurt. Imperfect love keeps records and it consults it often. Imperfect love, you get a little, get a little squabble with somebody, they'll go back to the old book. Let me see, what can I bring up about this argument today? Imperfect love keeps records, consults it often. God keeps no records of our sins. They've been buried in a sea of forgetfulness. His love casts out fear because he casts our sins away. And that word cast means he throws it as far as he can throw it. We need to tether our hearts to this promise in 1 John in chapter number 3. Look at it with me, verse number 20. It says, For if our heart condemneth, condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth us not, then, we ha- then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He has given us commandment. And He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. When we feel unforgiven, we need to give out an eviction notice to those feelings. Because we know in the back of our mind and our heart of hearts as a child of God that we have been forgiven. But old Satan will bring up that past and we begin having an old pity party, feeling sorry for ourselves. We might even go back and, and fall into some of that old sin we used to wallow around in again. And, and man, it just tears us up. But once those feelings hit us, we need to evict those things and go back to the scriptures. And tell ourselves emotions don't get any votes here. Emotions are exactly what they were supposed to be, just something felt. They're not supposed to be a guide. They're not supposed to be a, a leading in our life because emotions go crazy. And it don't take but just a second for your emotions to go wacko. When it comes to those feelings, we just need to stick with the truth because the Bible says the truth will set us free. God's word holds rank over self-criticism and self-doubt and we need to doubt our doubts and quit doubting God. We got no reason to doubt God. As it was already said tonight in testimony, God's been good to us. Even in our worst days, God's been good to us. I've often found out when I'm thinking I'm having a bad day, there's always somebody having a worse one. I was reading a perspective that somebody had on their life and said it kind of changed their thinking around. Said this person had said that they used to wake up in the morning saying, I have to. I have to go do this. I have to go do that. And I have to go do this. And she found herself getting angry and, and being in a bad mood constantly. She said, what changed her life around? She began to wake up in the morning and said, I get to go do this. 
and I get to go do that, and I get to go to my job, and I get to go be with some friends, and I get to go to church, and I get to be involved in ministry. She said it changed her whole thinking and process around. So it put her in a better mood. Nothing strengthens our courage like a clear, a clear grasp of God's grace. See, when fear sets in, fear makes us lose sight of God's mercy and grace. When fear sets in, it creates a form of spiritual amnesia. We begin to forget the things that God has done for us. It dulls our miracle memory. It makes us forget how good God is, is to us and what Jesus Christ has done for us when fear begins to set in. If you have never trusted Christ as Savior, then you are doomed to fear. Nothing can deliver you from this realization that you have disobeyed your Creator. You say, oh, I don't believe in a Creator. God created man. Go back to the beginning of the Bible. He formed them from the dust of the ground. You can try pills, you can try other avenues, but that will never set your sinful heart at ease. Oftentimes, people will go to pills and drugs and alcohol just so they can deaden those voices of fear in their mind. But you can't remove it. Only God's grace can remove that fear of not knowing Christ as your Savior. You see, in the Bible, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23. In Romans 6, 23, the Bible reminds us that the wages of sin is death. That's not the end of the story. But the gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You go on into Romans 10, 9 and 10, and verse number 13, you get down to the end. It says that whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We even had a t-shirt made around here that I am a whosoever. It is a whosoever gospel. You said, who can get saved? Whosoever will may come is what Jesus said. Once you receive Christ as Savior, we need to live in that freedom that he has given us legs so get up and walk just as he told that son of the palsy, the one that was sick with the palsy. He said, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Just a few short verses later, he heals his body. He said, now take up thy bed and walk. Take up thy bed and walk. Once Christ has set us free, we are free indeed. Amen. I'm glad that we serve a risen Savior. I'm glad tonight that we serve a Savior who doesn't take salvation back. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You won't find that sentence in the Bible, but the Scriptures is there to back it up. He does not take his salvation back. You get worried about these people that get caught up in, in this saying that you can lose your salvation. You can never lose it. It wasn't ours to lose. Jesus took care of all that on the cross of Calvary. He's the one that's in control of salvation. and It was his blood that covered the sins of all mankind. I get disturbed at times when people say that you can lose it. That's a lot of things that would have to happen in order for you to lose your salvation. In order for us to lose our salvation, God would have to get dementia. He'd have to forget all those, he'd have to forget all those forgivenesses that he's given out. In order for us to lose our salvation, that's saying that Jesus would have to come back to this earth again in the form of a, he'd have to be born of a virgin again. He'd have to live here for 33 and a half years. He'd have to spend his ministry here again. He'd have to go back to Golgotha's Hill again. He'd have to stand before Pilate again. He'd have to be mocked, scores. He'd have to be beaten half to death, hung on a cross to be crucified. He'd have to lay in the grave for three days, raise again on the third day, and then he'd have to 
I mean, he had to go through the whole process again in order for us to get saved over again. You think he's going to do that? No. He done it once. He done it once. Once was enough. It satisfied God. Now, I know I'm speaking to the church crowd tonight, but I just thought I'd remind us. It's an impossibility to lose your salvation. Can we disappoint God? Can you disappoint your earthly father? Sure can. What do you do when you disappoint him? You go back and you ask for forgiveness. I remember listening to a preacher tell a story one time. He was going to preach a meeting in a, I think somewhere around Alabama, Mississippi, somewhere like that. And so this church he was going to said he knew the fellow down there, he was a big coon hunter. Said all he talked about was this old dog he had. Said his greatest, greatest hunting dog he'd ever had. Said he wanted him to come over and see his dog. Said he talked about Spot all the time. Just Spot this and Spot that. Spot's the greatest coon dog I ever did see. He said, so finally, he said, I took him up on it. He said, I walked, went, up, went over to his house with him. Said, we go out there to the dog kennel or whatever. And said, there, sure enough, there's old Spot. And said, you know, Spot, man, he's just raring to go. And the dog was just talking about how great an obedient dog old Spot is. And said, old Spot, man, as soon as he opened up the gate, he was gone. He must have smelled the coon or something. He said he took off. He said he didn't even see no end in sight. He said the man's hollering at the top of his lungs, Spot, Spot, come back, come back. He said the dog hadn't even turned yet. He said, boy, he was 100 miles an hour down the road. So he looked at him and said, that dog don't listen too well. He said it wasn't very long. He said old Spot come back. He said when he did come back, he said that owner, some of you may not agree with him. He said, but that owner, that he'd give that dog a beating of his life. He said he was beating the dog so bad, he said, I asked him to stop and beat me in his place. He said he was beating him so bad. And he said after that beating, he said, we sit there and we had to talk for a few moments. He said it wasn't very long. He said an old dog come up and sat, down, sat up beside his owner. He said it started licking on his hand. The old dog was sitting there asking for forgiveness for not obeying, not listening. How many times have we done that? We know to do right, and oftentimes we don't do it. We find ourselves coming back up to a loving Heavenly Father and asking for forgiveness again. And He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And thank God for it. Let's all stand tonight. I appreciate you listening to me tonight. Let's continue to bring in prayer for the pastor and Mr. Nay as they travel. Pray for safety as they come back home. <clears throat> from their travels. If you have a need tonight, the altars are open. While she begins to play, if you have something that's pressing on your mind or heart you need to pray over, do that. And many prayer requests mentioned here tonight, a lot of heavy hearts. Let's do continue to pray for Brother Johnny Martin and the family. Pray for this family to flip the car over tonight. Thankful they're safe. And also remember my Uncle Ray. Many other requests mentioned here tonight. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you tonight, Lord, we just want to thank you, God, that you are a loving and merciful God. Can't praise you enough for your grace. Can't thank you enough for your Son's blood that covers all of our sins. Father, sure do thank you for this building you've given us, Lord, to assemble in. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people to be here tonight. I would thank you for our pastor and his wife, Lord, and we pray, God, as they're away from us, you keep them safe in their travels. God, as they come back to us, Lord, put angels around the vehicle. God, we're looking for just something miraculous to happen here on Sunday. God, I pray, Lord, you'll speak through your man. God, prepare our pastor's heart as he begins to, to study and, and get ready, Lord. I pray, God, you just 
preach through him, Lord, what we need to hear. God, everything that's done here may be honoring and glorifying into your holy name. God, we pray for Brother Johnny tonight. I pray, Lord, you just help him, Father, as he's battling his cancer. And no telling what's going on in his mind. Lord, I pray, God, you just give him a peace. Give his family a peace, Lord. He continues to making decisions as the day goes by. Lord, I pray for my Uncle Ray, Lord, his wife, Melanie. God, she sits by his side. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would help the doctors as they do more tests and as they study over his body, Lord, looking for what may be the cause of what's causing his trouble there in his body. Father, I pray you'd give one of the doctors enough wisdom to be able to pinpoint what it may be. God, I thank you, Lord, for our Awana teachers. God, may you bless their classes tonight. And Father, keep us all safe as we go our separate ways. And Father, bring us back on Sunday, Lord, with that spirit of expectancy, looking for your presence here and looking for something exciting to happen. God, I pray, Lord, for our choir, all the special music that is done here. Lord, may your name be honored and glorified. May people know in this community that when they come here, they can receive some help. God, not just physically, Lord, but also spiritually. That means more than anything. Father, may this be a place where people's souls can be restored, refreshed. God, may we see souls saved here. God, we surely love you tonight. I thank you for loving us first. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.